uh, I tell you what, uh, it's it's exciting. I want to talk to you. It's Memorial Day weekend, and and um, I just wanted to remind you with that video uh, that tomorrow, when you're barbecuing and when you're swimming or whatever your agenda is tomorrow, if you're off work, some of you may be working. Some of you will be making time and a half tomorrow on a holiday. Um, but whatever you're doing tomorrow, just take the time to stop and remember how good God's been to you and how many have made a sacrifice to allow you to be where you are today. And I just, I just want to encourage you to do that. I want to talk to you today on, on the simple topic of uh, it being Memorial Day. I want to talk about monuments today. Monuments. Everyone say monuments. All right, and uh, as I was reflecting this weekend concerning uh, those who have gave the ultimate sacrifice for others uh, of our great nation, I couldn't help but reflect on the purpose of memorials and monuments in our in our nation. I know right now we live in a time where a lot of people are trying to tear down different monuments for different things because they believe. And I, I just want to say this, our nation is not perfect it never has been perfect, and if, if people are looking for a perfect nation, they better leave because <laughs> there, there are flaws in, in, in every society. But I want to say this. Monuments are created to stand the test of time. You know, they don't make monuments out of paper mache. You know why? Because they won't last. Uh, but when they make a monument, they, they usually make them out of stone or they make them out of, out of something that will stand the test. We know that here coming from the limestone capital of the world, right? A lot of monuments have come right here out of these hills. And some of you are like, yeah, some of you say, I see that all day at work, all right? Um, but monuments are made to outlive the ones who have created them and left them behind. And that's the way it should be. And uh, has anyone ever been to the Lincoln Memorial? Anybody ever been there in Washington, D.C.? It is a sight to see. When you go to the Lincoln Memorial, a monument there uh, on the National Mall, and when you walk up and you see the sheer size of it, and, and, and it's amazing to look and reflect there, uh, uh, it's a great tribute and a beautiful tribute to our 16th president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. Has anyone ever, ever been to the Washington Monument? All right, there in Washington, if you've been to the Lincoln Memorial, you've probably been to the Washington Monument, and that's that great uh, obelisk that is pointing to the sky, and it towers at 555 feet tall um, to remember our nation's first president. Here's something, I don't know if you guys knew this, why it reminded me of this. You know that uh, one of the first people to, to use vaccines was, was George Washington during the Revolutionary War. You should look that up. It's pretty gross, but you should look that up and find out about that. I, I'm not going to tell you anymore, okay? It's on you. And then I begin to think about the uh, monument um, there in St. Louis, the arch. And how many have ever been to the arch and saw the arch? How many have went up in the arch and swayed at the top of the arch, right, when you're up there? Um, and I, the arch is 630 feet tall, and it's a beacon of hope representing the western expansion of the United States. And that's why they built that. Uh, anybody ever been to Hawaii and seen the USS Arizona Memorial? I had the privilege of going to see that. Uh, me and Tristan went on our on our honeymoon uh, many years ago, and one of the things that I absolutely had to do was go to that memorial. And when I went to that memorial, and I began to see the 1,177 men's uh, uh, names on the wall that had perished there on the USS Arizona, and when we when you walk out there and you could still see oil coming up, and, and there's a watery grave down there. I couldn't help but get a little bit teary-eyed when I thought about the sacrifice that was made that day on December 7th, 1941. And uh, 
Uh, you know, maybe another monument that you can think of that, that, that may remind you of a beacon of hope is the Statue of Liberty. Many, many people, immigrants that have come uh, look at the Statue of Liberty as a, as a place of hope. And those are all great things. And uh, how many know that monuments can be good things? Amen. And monuments can be good things. They're not all bad. Uh, but monuments remind us that we can learn from them. And, and, and this doesn't mean we shouldn't make idols out of monuments. It mean, doesn't mean we should go worship those monuments. But what monuments do is, is they remind us of things. So they're built for a purpose. And we've got to understand what their purpose is. Uh, I used to cut graveyards when I was 13 or 14 years old. Um, that was my job. I had, I had a business. I did. Uh, I, I, I was the workforce. Uh, I used my dad's equipment. He paid for most of the gas, and I made the money. It was a great business plan. You think I'm lying. That's exactly what happened. I, uh, um, I had a great business model there. And, and I remember growing up in Missouri, uh, I spent the summer like cutting like three or four cemeteries. Any, anybody ever had the privilege of cutting grass at cemeteries? It's a lot of work sometimes, depending on how big the cemetery, how many people are in the cemetery, how big it is, and certain things. And I, I remember growing up, and I would go, uh, and one of the busiest times of the year for me cutting cemeteries was around Memorial Day, because they always wanted it to look good for when people came. And so I would do that, and then after Memorial Day, I would have to come back. Well, after Memorial Day, everyone puts flowers and, and flags all over all over the graves. And, and, and when I was 13 or 14 years old, when I when I saw those things, it was a little bit of a nuisance of me because it meant that I had more work to do because I had to pull, pull those out, and then I had to cut the grass, and I had to put them back and make sure they went back to where they went. And, uh, but I understand now as, a, as a, a little bit older person and understanding, I said a little bit, I didn't say I was a lot older, a little bit older person, uh, understanding um, the sacrifice that, that many have, have given. And, and most of us uh, this weekend, uh, it's funny because Memorial Day is kind of morphed to a, 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 most people will, will go to a cemetery at some point and, and see someone. It's a good, it's a, just a good time to stop and reflect, even if they, they weren't. Uh, uh, but, you know, we use flowers and we put flags and, and now there's like LED solar lights uh, that, that I've seen in grave, graveyard, which is kind of creepy when you're going through a graveyard at night and you just see a beacon of light over there and you're like, hey, what's going on here in the graveyard? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Why are you in the graveyard at nighttime? That's what I want to know. All right. But, um, but in most, anybody ever been to a Jewish cemetery? They do something a little bit different. I mean, not, I mean the Star of David is one thing, but um, they leave rocks on their headstones. And the reason they use uh, rocks is they say that flowers fade and, and flags, they fade with time and... Um, they, they, they leave rocks and so they're, because they're going to last forever. I think there's two reasons why they do that. I think rocks are abundant, number one, and I think maybe people are cheap. I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying I, and maybe, that, maybe it's all good. I don't know. Um, but uh, maybe, maybe you save a little bit of money this grab a couple rocks and put on someone's grave. Um, but I want to talk to you about the monuments in our lives today and uh, – and oftentimes in our lives, we, we are, we're guilty of this. We build monuments to ourselves sometimes. Yeah, like Nebuchadnezzar, remember? Oh, maybe you didn't build a, a big golden statue of yourself. But, but oftentimes in our lives, we, we try to um, build a monument of how good we're doing and, 
uh, let everyone know that we're large and in charge. And, and can I tell you this? God's not interested in monuments of you. I mean, he loves you. Um, but if, when you build a monument of yourself, he doesn't, you know, he, he wants to see you succeed. But, you know, sometimes we, we make monuments of our careers or our positions or uh, in society or our name. But can I tell you, all those things are going to fade away someday. Amen. All right, you guys are with me. Another monument that we often uh, fall prey to is the monument of, of wealth. Are you saying it's wrong to have money? No, nothing wrong with having money. But, um, you know, money talks. If I make more money, I have more things. I have nicer things, and, and people will esteem me oftentimes. That's what we think. And the great philosopher, Notorious B.I.G., said, more money, more problems. Some of you got that. Some of you that flew right over your head. Oh, my younger crowd, they're with me, right? Yay, yay. All right. Uh, Proverbs says this, that wealth is fleeting. That means it can be here one second and gone the next. And all the um, parents in the house said amen, right? It's here one second and it's gone the next. Paul says uh, this, and he says, you know, you come into this world with nothing, you leave with nothing. And, and truth is, you can make all the money in the world, but, and I saw something, I don't, I don't remember, someone posted it on Facebook, and it showed uh, someone that had a shack house, and then someone that had, not, not, not shack, the basketball player, like a shack, okay, like a, like a lean-to type, type house, and then I, someone with a mansion, and then it showed their graves, and they were identical. And can I tell you something? There's, there's some truth behind that. Monuments. Uh, building up ourselves or building up our wealth, those things will fade. But I, I want to just talk to you just for a few moments today about some monuments uh, in our lives. Um, so if you have your Bibles, we, we're gonna, I'm going to jump around. We're going to be in Genesis. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 8. I don't have a scripture to lead off with here, but we're, I'm just going to go there. So I want to talk to you about the first monument. Uh, and this, this first monument I want to talk to you about today is the Monument of Thanksgiving. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, the Monument of Thanksgiving. Look at your neighbor on the other side who you don't like as much and tell them the same thing. All right. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20 and, and 22, uh, through 22, it says this. Um, then Noah built an altar to the Lord. And took some, some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. You ought to underline that in your Bible, okay? Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. Verse 22 says, while the, earth remains seed, uh, while the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your word. I pray today, Lord, that you would penetrate our hearts. Lord, that you would use me today how you see fit. Lord, let the words that are coming from my mouth be yours and not my own. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be forever changed. Lord, we give you the praise and glory. In your name we pray, everyone said. All right. Amen. So we're talking about monuments of thanksgiving. Uh, one of the monuments uh, that we should be building in our lives is a monument of thanksgiving and praise. Okay. And when we're talking about monuments, things that, that take us back when we get to those, those moments, that something that we can go back to and go, hey, 
I remember the time. I'm understanding. So how many have been through some stuff in the house? Anybody? Everyone's had a perfect life in here. That is amazing. We are blessed. Anybody been through some stuff in the house? All right. I thought, I thought maybe you guys were holding back on me. Um, Noah, look at this. Noah spent 100 years building the ark. He was about 500 when he started. I am, all, I am working on 40. I'm getting close to 40. It's knocking on the door. And let me tell you something. My bones crack when I get out of bed. I can't imagine what it would be like getting out of bed at 500 years old and building an ark for 100 years. And Noah was steadfast. God told him to do something. God gave a warning that a flood was coming. And Noah, for 100 years, built an ark with people making fun of him, people telling him, hey, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And nobody was laughing when, when the rain started happening. And look at this. God closed the door for Noah and his family was spared because of their obedience to the Lord. And I began to think about this. And I thought, well, why didn't Noah close the door? God closed the door because I believe if Noah would have closed the door and he heard people screaming, he would have tried to open the door. But I'm here to tell you, God is a God of, of justice. When God gives a way out, now, now, now this is going to blow some of your New Testament people away. When God gives a way out, it is our opportunity to walk in that or not. All right. Now, that, that some of you are like, boy, I don't know if I like that. Well, let me tell you, God does not change. He's going to judge us all one day. Right now we're in a dispensation of grace. And thank goodness for Jesus Christ. Because that is our way in, okay? I just want to add that. Uh, so Noah spent 100 years, and then he spent, uh, you know, Scripture tells us 40 days and 40 nights. It, would, it was raining. Some scholars say it was a total of about 150 days they were on the ark. Some scholars say it was like 371 days just over a year. It really doesn't matter how long they were on the ark. It, it really honestly doesn't. They, they landed in, in what seemed like an impossible task. How many would have loved to have been on an ark with a bunch of animals and, and your family? How many are excited to go on vacation with your family in the car. Now add and now add thousands of animals to that scenario, right? Uh, you thought you think the smell in the back of your car was bad. How do you think Noah felt? All right. So uh, so there they are and what seemed like an impossible task, God asked Noah uh, to do and Noah proved he would that God would sustain him and God would give him provision and God would give him covering and God would give him grace. Can I tell you that uh, because of our relationship and our right relationship with Jesus Christ, he has given us provision. He has given us grace. Amen. Are you with me? All right. Two of you are with me. I'll keep going as long as I got two of you. All right. Can I tell you something? Big trials bring out big praise. If you've been through some stuff, wave your hand. All right, if you've been through some big stuff, wave your hand. And I love this. What I love about Noah, when he gets out of the ark, he does something amazing. He goes and he builds an altar and he begins to sacrifice clean animals to the Lord to give thankfulness for God's provision and God's grace. I'm talking about the monument of praise and thankfulness in your life. How many got some things to be thankful for? How many got some things to be that are praiseworthy? All right. All right. I love these kids, man. They're right there with me. They're like, I like it. All right. Uh, so we need to know something about praise. The, the first thing that we should do when God answers our prayers is get on our knees and say, hey, thank you, God, for answering this prayer. Thank you, God, for sustaining me. Thank you, God, for sending an answer. 
But oftentimes, we do not do that. But I love Noah. When he gets out, that's exactly what he does. Let me, t- let me give you some reasons why we should praise and give thanks because I'm going to tell you why right here. The Bible says to. If the Bible says it, we should be doing it. Look at this. I want you to follow me. First, First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, rejoice always. Look at your neighbor say, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, whatever the circumstance, give thanks. Everyone lift your hand and say, Lord, I give you thanks right now. All right. Uh, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The will for, uh, for you is to rejoice, to give thanks, and to give praise and adoration to him. Look at this. First, uh, First Chronicles 16.34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. First Chronicles 29.13 says, And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Psalms 107.1-3 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Is that you? All right. All right. Whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands and from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Ephesians 5.18. I like this one. It says this. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody uh, to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God. Look at that. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we just give Jesus Christ some thanks in the house today? I want to show you something. When Noah began to sacrifice, when he got out of the ark, when God had brought him through a tumultuous time, he got out of the ark, he built an altar, and he began to sacrifice and give praise to the Lord. I'm going to show you something here in Scripture. When he began to do that, the Scripture says that it, that it put a smell up in the earth. And, and, and God began to smell the aroma of those sacrifices. Can I tell you something? There is nothing more pleasing to the Lord than your, when you begin to have a sacrifice of praise, when you begin to have a spirit of thanksgiving, when you begin to lift your hands and your voice begins to cry out and you say, Lord, I love you. It is the one thing that will catch God's attention. The scripture says that he is going to and fro across the earth looking for those that he might bless. And let me tell you something. I want to give him praise. Amen. Are you with me today? All right. And, and so it, it smelled so good to the Lord that God, look at this, it smelled so, so good to the Lord. Can, your praise can make a difference in your situation. Two of you got it. Your praise can make a difference in your situation. Let me show you something because look at this. This is, this is what the scripture says. It smelled so good to the Lord that God, he makes a covenant with Noah and to us today. Hey, guess what? I'm never going to destroy the earth like I did right then and there. And from this point, there's going to be seasons. Understand this. God, your praise can not only change your situation where you're at now, it can change your future situation. It can change the situation for your kids, kids, and your kids, 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 kids. Amen. Do you believe me today? All right. Come on. If you're with me, say amen. Here's the second monument I want to talk about, the monument of blessing. Everyone say the monument of blessing. 
Good job. Joshua chapter 4. Now, when I first came here, I, I did a series of uh, talking about uh, the children of Israel as they walked out of uh, the wilderness into the promised land and how Joshua had led them. And Joshua chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, it says this. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the, from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. I'm talking about monuments today. Look at this. When it passed over the Jordan, uh, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So let me give you a little context of what's going on here. So God had just done something amazing for the children of Israel, okay? We know this, that they had been in bondage in Egypt for 400 years, and God raised a man up named Moses, who, who brought them out of the land of Egypt through, through the direction. Uh, he was the leader there, and God led them and directed them, and they went through the Red Sea, and you guys know the story, and Pharaoh was, was drowned in the Red Sea, and they crossed. And then they got into the wilderness, and what should have taken them just a few days ended up taking them a long, long time. You know why? Because Moses didn't stop and ask for directions. That's not really true. Well, kind of, but but he found himself, and, and because of disobedience, they wandered in the desert, and finally, here they are on the cups of their breakthrough, sitting there at the Jordan River, about to go in. M Moses had to die. Why did he have to die? Because he disobeyed God, and God said, hey, none of this generation gets to go in, only the ones after this. And so they waited a, whole, a full 40 years. So there they are. He got to see the promised land. He didn't get to step foot in the promised land. So Joshua, man, he didn't waste any time. He, he prays, they get to moving, and they move forward, and they step into their destiny. How many want to step into your destiny today? All right. So, so God had done some great things. So notice this, a, a moment where you walk into a promise, and this is where the children of Israel are. They are walking into this promised land. They had some battles they had to fight when they got in the promised land, but they were walking into new territory that they had never been before. How many know that as a church and as a believer, we're walking into new territory that we've never been before? All right. So that's what they're doing. And as a church, we battle in seasons together, and God can break the glass ceiling. All of us together, we're battling, we're moving forward. God has called us together as a group, as a church, as a family, and we are doing battle together. Let me tell you something. When we come together in unity, when we begin to pray in unity, when we begin to, to intercede in unity, when we begin to worship in unity, when we begin to grow in unity, God can break the glass ceiling. He can take the limits off. And man, do you believe that today? Some of you are hearing it. Some of you may not. I don't know. Shake your neighbor. Say, wake up. And we have a reason to be thankful for God's blessing on us. God, God takes us from glory to glory. And, and notice a moment where you walk into your promise with God on your life is a, a moment of 
memorializing. I remember uh, just a few weeks ago, I was in Missouri, and I had the privilege of speaking at my nephew's, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know what you call it, but he turned, he turned 16. Anyway, it's 16th birthday, so they asked me to, to share some words. And as I spoke, w- uh, it rained, and so we had to change the venue. We were supposed to be outside, and it was raining, and so we took it indoors to this place. And where we had the venue was a place that I, I had, had went to church camp years and years and years and years ago. And while I was there, um, I, I walked in the building, and me and my brother were there. And I said, I said to my brother, I said, hey, I remember this. And I said, I told my brother, I said, I remember you uh, got baptized with the Holy Spirit right here. And I, sh- I kind of like in, the, in this general area, and he's like, you're right. You're right. And, he, and we begin to memorialize and we begin to think about that moment. And I, I remember and I said, you know where? I got, I got baptized with the Holy Spirit right over here. And like on the other side of the room because we're brothers. We have to be on the opposite sides of the room, right? And, and, but anyways, and I begin to think about it. How many remember the day that you got saved? How many remember the place that you got saved? Amen. And, and, and we need to memorialize that. We need to understand that those are moments of God's blessing in our lives. Okay. And so I, I want to talk to you about that. Uh, he, and here's what Joshua did. He tells 12 men to grab stones from within the river, and they all pick up a stone, and they take a stone out. I don't know how big the stones were. I don't know. Maybe they were like the, the big Irish guys that, that carry the big rocks. I don't know. And, but they're carrying them out, and they take them out, and they stack them together to make a monument. And, and Scripture tells us that they also made a monument that they put inside of the river. Uh, now, what you need to understand is the Ark of the Covenant, they were standing there. Uh, the, the priests were holding the Ark of the Covenant. The water was, was gone. They were grabbing stones out. And then they built a monument uh, in the river. And, and then when they left, the water covered it. I, you know, and I, I'm, I, I would like to go scuba diving just to see if I could find those stones. Amen. Hey, are you with me, Asher? That's what I'm talking about. We'll, we'll do that maybe one day, okay? All right. And but, but they took these 12 stones, and they, they took them up on the bank, and they took them to their camp, and they began to stack them together. They began to stack them together. And I thought, what's the significance of, of this, God? What is the significance of this? And as I began to pray about this, I, I want to I share something with you. Parents, while you got your kids in here, I want to point something out to you. I want to I share something with you. Parents, you need to show your kids the monuments in your life where God's blessing has flowed for you, through you, to you. Your kids need to know the day that you got saved. Your kids need to know that, you know, that when you had a struggle that God brought you through. They need to understand those moments. Are you hearing me, parents? And it's important for us to build monuments, not for my sake, but for my kids' sake. You know what I could tell you this? I can tell this is this is, I could tell you about my dad the day that he got saved. 1970, I know it was 1970, Easter Sunday, 1970 in Imperial, Missouri. You know why I know that? Because my dad told me and that was a monument to me that my dad made a decision to know Christ. Say, "Hey, I was this way at one point, but then God changed me." And the monuments, listen, parents, we need to share with our kids the monuments, the testimonies that God has brought us through. Amen. And I love this story. Mom and, mom and dad, if God has blessed you, you need to testify to your kids about it. You need to let them know, hey, God gave me this job. God gave me this. And it's only by his hand and by his grace that I am what I am today. You Kind of like Popeye, I am what I am. Amen. Your testimony, your words are a monument of God's blessing 
to your kids and to your grandkids and on and on and on. And I might add this, that there's a blessing as a group uh, that, can, that only came from a unity of spirit. Check this out. So their leader tells them, says, hey, grab some stones. So they, 12 of them grab stones. Now, I want to point something out right here. As, as a church, oftentimes we want to grab the monuments of our stones and we want people to see our, our stone, our monument. And if we aren't careful, now listen, if the 12 tribes of Israel, if they would have all went independently and put their rocks somewhere differently, guess what? We would not know that there was a monument. The kids wouldn't know that there was a monument. But these people put themselves to be selfless and said, hey, we're going to do what God wants us to do. And in unity, they begin to stack these stones where they just were bigger and bigger. And people saw that and said, hey, that is a monument to God. It showed the blessing of God in their life, and it showed the unity of God in their life. All right? How many know that we need unity in the body of Christ? How many know that we need unity in the body of Christ? You know what the enemy does? He likes to separate. He likes to make people rub people the wrong way. He likes to make motives. People think that people's motives are one thing or another. Can I tell you something? The devil is a liar. Some of you are hearing me. Some of you aren't. But a church uh, that has been blessed comes from a heart that is unified, that is unified in the spirit of God. We have one vision and we are moving forward. Can I tell you this? Psalm 133 says the anointing or the blessing comes when we dwell together in unity. Only when we dwell together in unity. And we have to say, hey. Sometimes that's, I'm going to set my agenda aside because God's more important than what I want. And that's important, all right? I'm going to ask the musicians to come, come back. And we lift the monument of blessing and, and as a testament to unity to our children so that they will remember who we are and, and that we've walked in the obedience of God. How many know that God wants to take you from glory to glory to glory? Amen. All right, last one, the monument of remembrance. Everyone say the monument of remembrance. You know the reason, the main reason that we have memorials and monuments is so we can remember. It is. So we can go back and we can, we can reflect. And maybe, maybe those things happen in a time that we weren't alive, but guess what? I can go learn from those things. History repeats itself, but sometimes it's better just to learn and, and not repeat itself, right? I want to share something with you. Monuments. We're talking about Memorial Day. How many are thankful that people uh, have died for you? How many are feel like you live in a blessed nation? And how many how many are say I'm okay with remembering that and taking a moment to reflect on the goodness of God? All right. So the monuments of remembrance. John fifteen thirteen says this: Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That's the greatest kind of love that you can have. I don't know about you, but I would be willing to lay down my life for my wife. I would be willing to lay down my life for my kids. How many are with me on that? I would be willing to give of myself so my kids 
can have. And no greater love, look at this, John says this. He says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Can I tell you something? John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Come on and give Jesus a hand clap of praise. No greater love. Can I tell you this? The purpose of Jesus Christ coming to earth was to be the ultimate sacrifice for your sins and mine. And to be the propitiation for our sins. That he would take the wrath of God for you and me. And none of us deserve it, but God did it for us because he loves you. He loves you today with an unconditional love. And he's here with arms open saying, I've got grace for you today. And this is what I found out being saved for just a moment. The monuments in my life, sometimes I don't do good with thanksgiving. And sometimes I don't do good with praise. And sometimes I forget about the blessing that God has given me. But I pray in, in, my, in my walk with God that I never forget the price that Jesus paid for me. And I'm not perfect, and you aren't either. He would bear the weight of your sins and mine on, on a cross at Calvary. I, Isaiah 53, 5 says this. But he was wounded. For our transgressions, talking about Jesus here. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The prophet Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus coming in the New Testament. Jesus was chastised, and he was bruised on a cross for you and for me. Listen, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus gave the dis disciples instructions of a monument or a memorial of remembrance. And he said this, it was simply this, communion, simply this, do this in remembrance of me. This is the memorial, this is the monument that I've set so that you won't forget about the price that I paid for you. Now, this is what I'm going to do. I've asked the ushers. They're going to they're come around. They're going to give you uh, the communion elements today. And they're going to pass those around. If you guys will just stay with me just a, just a few more minutes, we're going we're gonna to get through this, okay? But I want to talk to you about the monument of remembrance. This is not a monument that we build, but this is a spiritual monument. So that we remember what Jesus did on the cross for us. How many are thankful and grateful for monuments of thanksgiving and praise? How many want our praise to go up as a sweet smell to the Lord that it might change not just our situation now, but it might change our situation in the future? And how many want the monument of God's blessing and unity and obedience and coming together as a group and showing our kids, hey, they say, what is this? Hey, that was the time 
I remember this time. Listen, this church didn't just build itself. It, it was a, a, a process of dreams and unity and a lot of hard work. God wants to bless us abundantly, and I'm going to tell you something. He does it in the spirit of unity. Stay with me just, just, a, just a moment longer here. And the monuments of remembrance. We're going to do something. We're going to take communion. If you, and I want to leave this up to you, parents. If you're here, grandparents with your kids, I'm going to leave it up to you to decide if you think that your kids should take communion. We're a church. We're open communion. It's between you and God. You do not have to be a member of this church to take communion. This is between you and God. But I do know this. I'm gonna, before you partake of communion, remember that communion is not a ritual that we observe. Now listen, some churches do it weekly. Some churches do it every day. And, and oftentimes when you do it too often, it can become a ritual. It can become something that we just do just because it's what we're supposed to do. And I want to tell you something. I do not want the monument of his remembrance to be something that I'm just doing. Scripture tells us, and it warns of that, Paul would say this in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight: Let a person examine himself, and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. He would go on to say, and that's why there are many sick in the church. So what I want to do in this moment, I want to give you an option. I want, I want to give you a chance. First of all, Bow your heads with me all across this building. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to give you a chance to know him. It's the best decision you'll ever make. I can promise you that. I, 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 I'm living proof of that. Maybe say, hey, I don't know if I agree with you because I've seen your life. Well, I'm not perfect, but let me tell you something. God has changed me from the inside out. God wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want religiosity. He doesn't want, he wants a relationship with you, to commune with you, to talk to you. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to give you a chance to know him today. And Maybe you're here and you're saying, hey, I, I heard what you said. I, I, I need the Lord to search my heart. I need God to to forgive me of some sins. If that's you, I, no one looking around. No one looking around, please. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. We're not going to make a spectacle of you. I, I, I just want I want to say a prayer with you. Anybody in the building that doesn't know Jesus or you, you say, hey, I want to get some things right in my life. If you'll just lift up your hand right now with no one looking around. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Let's pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to come into my heart. I believe you lived on earth. You died on the cross. You rose again. And you're coming. Lord, I confess with my mouth today that I'm a sinner. Lord, I've failed. I've made mistakes. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me in your mighty name. Cover me with your blood. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, can you give us a hand clap of praise in the house? Scripture says this, on the night that 
he was betrayed, talking about Jesus. Jesus ate his last supper with his disciples. And knowing that he would accomplish through his sacrifice, he instituted communion. Luke chapter 22, you can look that up. His, his loving instruction loving instruction is that we are to remember him as we partake of communion. It's why we're doing it. It's a memorial. It's the monument of who and why Jesus came. And Jesus wanted us to remember how his body was broken for our wholeness. And how his blood was shed for our forgiveness of our sins. And then whenever we partake in this remembrance, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six tells us that. Today, we are going to partake of the bread, and we're going to declare that Jesus' health and divine life flows in our mortal bodies. Do you believe that today? I believe that with all my heart. And when we partake of the cup, we are declaring that we are forgiven and have been made righteous. Jesus' blood gives us right standing before God. And we can go boldly into God's presence, Hebrews 4.16 says. And when we pray, we can be sure that God most definitely hears us. Now look at this. I... I want to do something. I've asked uh, a couple of people to come and pray. And I'm, I'm going to ask Jenna to come up. If you will, take your communion cup and open it up, pull the bread out. I've asked her to pray over this, this bread today. Say, hey, why, why are you doing it this way? Because I want to. That's okay, right? And when she prays, I want you to bow your heads. And I want you to think. I want you to think about what, that this is the monument to remember what Christ did on Calvary. So bow your heads with us. Father, we come humbly before you this morning. God, we bless you. We honor you. God, we thank you for your body that you gave so freely, so willingly. Lord Jesus, you, you broke your body for us, Lord. God, I ask that when we take your body, this bread this morning, Lord, that you would help us remember all the things that you did for us on the cross, Lord. God, help us remember that you are the bread of life. God, that you are everything that we need. God, you sustain every need. God, that you fill us because of what you did for us, because you allowed your body to be broken, that we are healed, we are fulfilled, we are whole, we are blessed, and we are healed in the name of Jesus, God. God, let us remember this. Let it be sealed and stamped upon our heart as a monument. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray. You may partake of the bread. In the same manner, Jesus held a cup of. Today we have a cup of grape juice to represent the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I've asked David to pray over this. Would you, in reverence, just bow your heads and begin to think about the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ? If it had not been for the shed blood of Jesus Christ, there would be, uh, there would be no freedom from sin. So in this moment, I want you to reflect on what Christ did. Dear Heavenly Father, on this morning, service men and women have done for us in fighting for our freedom and for the opportunity to live in this great country. And I'm reminded how much you've done for us by giving your son in the same way, giving us the freedom of religion, the freedom to gather here today and worship you without fear of um, persecution and threats of death. 
the sacrifice of your son and the giving of his blood. We just can't thank you enough that we set aside this time as a monumental praise and blessing and remembrance of what you've done for us. Thank you much. Thank you so much for what you will do. You can partake of the Will you stand? Will you lift up holy hands in the house? We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. All praise be to your name. God, don't let it be a ritual, but God, this is a monument to remember what you did on Calvary, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your provision. God, we thank you for your blessing, God. We thank you, Lord, for our hearts being united in your spirit. And God, we thank you for what you did on Calvary, Jesus. We praise your name and we glorify your name. Come on. Come on and just love on him with all your heart today. Can we lift our hands? Come on, can you lift your hands? Can you begin to thank God for those who made a decision today? Lord, we are grateful. It's what it's about, God. We're so grateful for hands being raised and lives being changed forever. We praise your name. you stretch your hand this way, I want to bless you. And then I'm going to ask them to sing this song one time, and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on to announcements. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Do you accept it today? Come on and give the Lord a hand clap of praise.